all for the storyline, I guess. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Champions Breakfast Podcast. This is your host, Hannah. And as we all know, it has been a hot minute since I released an episode about My Hero Academia. There is reason for that. It is not because I have given up. It is the complete opposite. I have been binging the shit out of this show because I know that season six is coming out. Actually, I think it I think episode one is already out, actually. Even more reason that why I have been binging this show. So rather than like binge do a season, binge do a season, um, sorry, an episode, <laughs> binge do an episode, binge do an episode, I just decided that I would watch all of it up to season six. So seasons two to five, because I did season one on the podcast already, and then just come to you and tell you my thoughts. So without further ado, sit back and relax because here we go. It's season two to season five of My Hero Academia, baby. And boy, oh boy, has it rocked my world. So I'm going to start off. I have, I have planned this out. I know. Shock horror. I, Hannah, planning? What the fuck? Um, And I'm going to do it in a way that we're going to go through each season essentially and I want to talk about some of my favorite fights that happened. Season two, unfortunately, really, now that I'm looking back, I think season two was my least favorite season. And I know that that's probably controversial because a lot of people loved season two because that's when they had the sports festival and everyone was fighting everyone. It was funny and it was cute and it was sweet and don't give a fuck. I enjoyed the end of season two when Stain was fighting Shoto, Todoroki, Deku and Ida. I don't know why I said Shoto's full name as if no one knows who Todoroki is. I've got the jitters guys. I'm so excited to be talking about this shit. But yeah, the fight between Stain, Deku, Ida and Todoroki, so freaking good. I actually thought that Ida was going to die by the end of it because his brother had died. Part of me was like, well, they can't just take out the whole family tree. But at the same time, because Ida's brother had been so severely injured, which at this point we thought he was dead, I thought that, you know, the risk and the stakes have been risen so high by this one character who is psychotic And he's such a good villain that I thought that there was potential that someone was going to die. And because Ida is not necessarily like the biggest of big name characters in this show, he kind of does flit in, flit out, but there's not necessarily that much fanfare around him. He's not someone that you would go to a convention and see a whole bunch of Ida statues and pop vinyls and posters and shit like there's nothing about him so I was like all right well Ida catch you glad that he didn't die because he turns out to be like one of my favorite characters I do enjoy Ida time Ida on my screen mm, makes me very very happy but for season two that was probably my favorite fight everything in the sports festival I did really like 
don't get me wrong, it wasn't a bad season. It's just after now <laughs> watching season three, four and five, I prefer all of them over season two. With season three, my favourite fight, oh, I, I wrote down three. Um, but I do think that there was two that really, really, really stood out and I'm going to say them and I really hope that people agree with me. But the Deku-Bakugo fight where Bakugo is really tormented by the fact that All Might has now lost all of his powers and he's blaming himself and he takes it all out on Deku and Deku just kind of lets him smash the crap out of him. It's a really emotional fight when Katsuki's opening up and bearing his soul and asking why it was him and why he has to be the reason that All Might's lost his powers forever and essentially is crying. I did shed a tear. It was the first time that I'd seen Bakugo actually show emotion. And, you know, it really kind of had a lot of power to it, the fact that he's always angry. And even though he was angry in the fight, he was still discussing these really tormented feelings, which, you know, we didn't really think that Bakugo was that deep, but he does carry it. And the fact that he took it out on Deku... The fight was really, really reminiscent of Naruto and Sasuke. And the final fight in the OG series and then also the final fight in Shippuden. Katsuki, though, doesn't fall into the Sasuke character. He d it, so it was very different at the same time. But Deku letting himself get beaten up by Katsuki at the start of the fight is very reminiscent of Naruto doing the exact same thing for Sasuke. I really, really enjoyed that fight though. That was sick. I also really liked the fight prior to that that pretty much led to Deku and Bakugo fighting where All Might versed All for One, leading to him losing his powers that fight was insane. I, for the longest time, thought that All Might was going to die. All for One seems very interesting and I cannot wait to learn a little bit more about his history. I want to know what happened to his face. Obviously, he was the one that was fighting All Might when All Might first came out of that bus holding all those people um, in the video that Deku watched. So... We, I'm now up to season six, but I haven't seen anything from that. So I'm assuming and hoping that I'm going to get that in season six. But there's so many things that they haven't given us in season six that I, sorry, in season two to five, that I just don't know how much time we have left for them to cover. Why is Bakugo so angry? I digress. <laughs> All Might, however, is... Um, awesome in that fight he goes hard he loses his powers because of how hard he goes and then at the end when he points to the camera and says you're next or now it's your turn that was awesome I loved that and everybody watching in like the well where were they watching it was like I don't know it was like the Times Square in Japan what's it called this is disgusting of me to not remember this it's not Shibuya it's not Tokyo Oh, far out. I'm going to get beaten for that one. However, that was a sick fight. Watching everybody watching on screen, 
thinking that All Might was going to die the whole time because I've been under the impression that All Might has to die for Deku to take the reins, which obviously hasn't happened, but All Might's lost his powers for Deku to take the reins. But I loved the fight. And also watching Katsuki watch Deku as well, that kind of like and him putting it together that there's something more going on here. I liked that. It opened up a new storyline and it's the reason that we now see Deku and Katsuki actually getting together and getting along. And now they're in a secret little club with All Might. So cute. Love it. I fucking love it. There was a fight in season three between Deku and the muscle man, which was a contender as well. However, if you remember that fight, it's where Deku's trying to protect that little kid. I think his name's Kai or some shit like that. And there's this guy that he's fighting that turns out he's the one that killed the kid's parents. And I think he, he just goes by muscle man and Every single time that Deku thinks that he's won, this guy has put muscle all around his body and miraculously survives. So Deku just has to keep getting better and getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And it was the most overpowered fight I think I've seen in the entire series apart from Overhaul because fuck me, we'll get into that in a second. But he just kept wrapping himself in muscle and I was like is this gonna keep going it was the never-ending fight don't get me wrong it was really entertaining but the amount of times that they had to break it up and go over and look at other fights that were going on and come back and oh muscle man's still alive and then go back to another fight and then come back to the muscle man and he's still alive because he's wrapped himself up in some more fucking muscle it was a little bit exhausting did enjoy it for the first episode but then I think it went for like three episodes and I was done by the end of it so that was a good fight but mm, the length of it destroyed me I was a beaten woman by the end of it I was weathered season four fights now I believe most people will agree with me that Lemillion versus Overhaul obsessed the fact that Lumillion lost his powers for Eri. This is Mirio, for anyone that doesn't know the hero name. I have potentially a human real life crush on Mirio Togata, aka Lumillion. I, I adore him. <laughs> um, I loved that fight. He literally just bent over backwards and just tried again and again and again and it was sick um the fact that he lost his powers in it again very very interesting i hope that he gets his powers back um especially in time for the war arc i love his character arc i love his character development the fight between lamillion and overhaul when he, he even lost his powers and he was still trying to save eri still trying to protect her i fell in love with Lemillion in this fight it was insane sad but insane the whole the, essentially like I think the whole overhaul arc was potentially one of my favorites he yeah he was so overpowered the fact that he just kept fucking leveling up like he would just be on death's door and then grab a body and warp and change himself and like be on death's door again and grab another body. It was 
a little bit overpowered. Not gonna lie. But it it was some quality entertainment, some good watching. So Lumillion v Overhaul, fantastic. Same with Eri and Deku when they versed Overhaul. That was an awesome fight and same reasons. The only reason that that one, Lumillion one is my favorite is because of the sacrifice. Like I said, I love risk. I love watching the risk. I love when there's chances and, and you know, the stakes are high and there's repercussions for actions and shit like that. With Eri and Deku, Deku was essentially not even able to be beaten because Eri was just supercharging his powers. And then Overhaul was just grabbing one body after another. So it was kind of like one overpowered character versing another overpowered character. And the only way that they could stop that from happening is having Shigaraki take away Overhaul's arms at the end of season four, season three, season four, season four. <laughs> like it, it was, it was fun watching, but they couldn't keep that character around. There's no way in hell. So yeah, it was good. Season three is still my favorite. Um, and then at the end of season four, when Endeavor versed the high end Nomu, loved it, loved it. I hated Endeavor at the start when I first met him. Watching him grow has been really interesting. And part of me is like, come on, Natsuo, just like love your dad, man. Like look at the effort that he's putting in, but also at the same time, Endeavor did some pretty gnarly shit when they were little and I can see why Natsuo doesn't forgive him, but I want him to forgive him. Yeah, <laughs> but Endeavor versing the high end Nomi was like the first step into him, his redemption arc. And I'm here for it. I want to see him be redeemed. I'm worried that he's going to be redeemed and then he's going to get fucked up and killed. I think that by the end of this series, either Endeavor or All Might is going to die. I don't know which one and I don't want one to die, but I feel like one of them will. And I've been saying this for a long time and it kind of scares me, but we will see. Now I'll get back to season five in a second because I literally just finished it and then just grabbed my mic. With the fights they were insane loved it but there's also like moments that are noteworthy that weren't fights so like season two for example Stain's speech when he is giving the speech and then he just stops and everyone is feeling his bloodlust and his hatred and his admiration at the same time towards All Might I was glued to the tv and that's what these noteworthy moments are when I was glued when I could not look away and Stain's speech in fucking sane. I did just hear in season five that Aizawa, no, All Might is going to be going and seeing Stain. And I forgot that he was alive. I think he's in, in the fight, he just, he stopped. And I thought it was because he died, but he's still alive. And um, yeah, All Might's going to be visiting him. So I mean, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen there. Is he going to be normal? Is he going to be still himself is he going to get out of prison is he going to be involved in the war so many questions season three my favorite favorite moment was when mirio was versing the students um 
when he came in to kind of show them how to verse someone and he was just popping in and out of reality naked and poor Jiro was at the back when he was going to get the um, the long distance fighters and she just got a face full of dick and it's Mirio. She should have been so happy about that but she wasn't. <laughs> Anyway, Mirio versus the students. I loved that. A lot of Mirio moments. A lot of Mirio moments are in my top memorable moments. And I think it's because he's just such a positive and happy character, even when he's lost his quirk. Like in season four, for example, again, my favorite moment was when class 1A were performing, doing their song with Katsuki on the drums. And Eri started smiling while Mirio was watching. And what got me was that Mirio started crying. This is a guy who is so positive and so happy and a half glass full kind of man. And so when he shows any kind of anything that's other than just pure joy, it has me entranced. So when he's versing the students and he's like looking all aggressive and kind of agitated or curious, and this was also the first moment that I met him and he was naked in front of me and so I was really curious but then season four watching him cry while he's looking at Eri and he's got no powers and his joy comes from looking at this downtrodden and beaten little girl just smiling oh guys <laughs> it made me so happy um I also really enjoyed when he why is it all Mirio but when he is playing the victim when they're doing their, uh, what is it, the rescue operations. And we've got Amakichi and Hado pretending to be the villains. Also, Amakichi, oh, fucking obsessed with that guy. He's the most depressed guy in the whole world. This poor motherfucker wants anything but to be a hero and he's just dragged around by Mirio to do everything that he doesn't want and I love it he's just I watched this one OVA and they were playing baseball and the whole time Amakiji was just staring at the wall going I want to go home I want to go home I want to go home <laughs> and when they're doing the rescue operation they're like what do you want he's like I want to go home I adore him he's just everyone's vibe but Mirio playing the victim and just falling into the water and spinning down the lake. Like, fucking obsessed with them. I love the characters. Like, after season three, season three onwards, all the characters that get introduced are fucking insane. They're so good. We've got Mirio and Amakiji. How do I not... It's just right. Ryukyo Darby, the villain, who... I've got some I've got some queries. I've got some ideas about this guy. Um, Nighteye, who uh, didn't really like at the start, but his death. <laughs> Boy, did I fucking cry. <laughs> I love when a show can make me cry and make me laugh. And Mirio made me... It was Mirio again. That's why I cry. Actually, now that I think about it, it was Mirio. It was when he started crying, saying goodbye. I didn't cry when Deku started crying because honestly, an episode without Deku crying is a weird episode. So he started crying. I was like, oh, here we go again. And then Mirio started crying and I was just a ball. Fetal position, clutching the tissues, wiping my nose on the cat. Like it was all happening. 
So yeah, and then season five, the most notable moment that I've just really witnessed is Shigaraki's origin story. If you haven't watched season five yet, spoiler alert, skip forward like 30 seconds, but here we go. Shigaraki destroying his family, turning them to dust. Holy shit. I was watching and I was thinking like, I've drawn a lot of um, similarities between My Hero Academia and Naruto and I thought that Naruto was winning in the, this is the saddest backstory. This is the most traumatic backstory with Obito. Then I watched Shigaraki's backstory. Seeing him melt his dog, then melt his family and now knowing that all for one took him and then made those hands that are always wrapped around him out of his family members. That was absolutely fucked. No wonder. <laughs> no wonder Shigaraki is so messed up and like boy just needed a hug. And he was his dad. So the the last one of the wielders of one for all did this to her son by abandoning him and then the abandonment and the hatred of heroes is why Shigaraki is the way he is like all he needed was a hug and a stable family incredible I absolutely adored the backstory I mean like adored is a hmm, bit of a tricky word to use in this sentence but I fucking loved, <laughs> I don't know, I'll just replace it with a swear word. I fucking loved the backstory. I, I've wanted Shigaraki's backstory for so long. And I, and like, among others, like, I fucking want to know what's going on with Bakugo. What's up, what's up with that boy? And I want to know Darby's backstory as well. But like, I am so happy with that backstory, man. That was so good. It, I did see a lot of Obito in Shigaraki, but... It's one of those situations where it's if someone else found him, if he was found by All Might or if he was found by Aizawa or Gran Torino or anyone, anyone that was a hero, if he was found by them, his life would have been a million times different. Who knows? Maybe he could have been a hero. Maybe he could have been another Deku. Like all he wanted to be was a hero. So interesting. Oh, I love the Tomura Shigaraki character. I do think that his quirk is actually terrifying. It disappointed me in season five after seeing the power that he had as a kid and the power that he has when he's fighting everybody, which one of the greatest fights in season five, when he's fighting the bloke that uses stress as his superpower. Same, babe. And we've never seen it before we've never really seen his quirk used we've seen hints of it we've seen teasers of it but we haven't actually seen it be used in the way that it was used at the end of season five which is fucking terrifying and now knowing that he's getting all of the other quirks from all for one ready for the war it is a little bit like well, of course he needs to get all those quirks because now we've found out that Deku has six other quirks that he can unlock. So it's going to be obvious that Deku 
and Shigaraki are the only ones that are going to be able to face each other, which is what a shonen is anyway. Like it's going to be built up so that they are fighting each other, I'm assuming. And if I'm wrong, <laughs> then that's embarrassing. Oh, well, who gives a fuck? But yeah, it it was interesting to kind of see like now because of his backstory, like Shigaraki's responsiveness and his reactiveness, which is bred on trauma and he thrives off triggers and trauma responses. So like the scratching when he's stressed out, you can see now where that's coming from. It's all based off fear and stress and anxiety, which is bred down from his father and the trauma. I wonder if that's going to happen now that he's kind of accepted and encouraged what those negative feelings can produce. I did think like, what, what, what if he was loved? Like I said, the result, this is the result of a kind heart that has only known rejection, fear and hurt. And it did bring up like, I remember in the first couple of episodes, they talked about quirk counseling and it did make me think this would be the this is the poster child for quirk counseling kids who have uncontrolled quirks i'm sure this isn't the first time that a kid's killed their animal or a kid's killed their family member like surely there's there's like bakugo he explodes shit surely there's animals or adults that he accidentally injured or you know ashida she's got acid coming out of her did she not accidentally melt something or melt someone at some point? Um, there's so many quirks. What about the invisible girl? She probably got lost. How did her parents keep an eye on her? How did they not lose the baby? I'm sure she's fucked up from that. Imagine going to the shops and getting lost. I mean, like, of course she's got clothes on, but she can see, but they can't see her. Um, uh, if she was on a clothing rack... What if someone picked her up, put a clothes hanger on her and then just chucked her away? Quote counselling. However, Shigaraki need, needed that a lot more. It's interesting that after the house got destroyed and the family got killed, no one really went looking for him. And it wasn't really... No one knew who he was when he came out. Like, how did he kind of slip... How did a child live on the streets after that happening and not be picked up by social services or some shit. Like they've got all of these things in place, quirk counselling, UA high. How did this kid slip through the ranks? I mean, it happens in reality, but like we don't kill people by melting them. Eh, anyway. One final thing that I do want to leave with this episode. I've talked about my favourite fights. I've talked about some of my memorable moments. My favourite character. I have three favourite characters. I've already talked about two of them. Obviously, Tomura Shigaraki is number one. I, I obsess over him. His character development, learning about what's going on behind him. And by development, I mean like just learning and feeling sorry for him seeing his quirk, seeing what's happening to him now, like knowing his leadership status now that All For One is, is gone. My second favourite is obviously Mirio. 
obsessed with him. I love how his relationship with Eri is now a protective, nurturing father, big brother role. I do wish that I got to see more of him. Um, I'm hoping that in season six he gets his quirk back. I really, really want to get his quirk back. And like they've got Eri. Can they not figure out a way to use her blood to bring his quirk back? That's They used her blood to take it away, I think. I can't remember. But surely he's going to get his quirk back. I really want to see him more. I love his relationship with everyone. I love his drive. I love his passion. I love his positivity. He is my favorite. And then Shigaraki is like on the opposite spectrum. My favorite there. And then I've got this little little baby who just sits in the middle where, where Shigaraki is all darkness. And I, and I love what he stands for in a stay away from me ha- glass half empty kind of way. And then Mirio does the glass half full ray of positivity, ray of sunshine, smack bang in the middle. My third favorite little angel from hell Katsuki Bakugo. <laughs> I love Bakugo. At the start, I was like, it was hit and miss because like he would call everybody extras and just yell and be really mean. And I didn't like him as a bully. I wanted to know more about him. I wanted to know his backstory, which I still freaking do. Like I haven't gotten any of his backstory. His quirk was pretty basic. Awesome, but like very convenient for whoever he was fighting. He does work well in fights though. I like seeing how he's now learning to combat fisticuffs as one might call them. He's doing really well in that. And he's actually starting to work as a team now that he's with Jiro, well, sorry, when he was with Jiro and I believe it was Jiro and Tentacle and Denki. I don't actually remember if it was them, but I think it was. Anyway, he was actually working as a team. He was telling them that if they ever get caught, don't worry, he'll protect them. And if he gets caught, they better come protect him. Even though he said it in his Bakugo way, it was awesome. He was actually working as part of a team rather than every other time we've seen him in a team, he goes off on his own. So that was cool. And I do love the relationship that he's built up with Kirishima and Denki. I love it. I love when he tries to go off on his own. (laughs) Those two follow him like his little power squad. It's very cute. But the best thing that I love, I think my favorite thing about him now is his personality and the relationships that he's fostered with people. Not even trying. Like he is hilarious. He gets angry like the most stupid things, but when he gets angry at like reasonable things, I love it. So for example, when he, him and uh, Deku go to Todoroki's house for dinner one night, they're there, it's Natsuo and um, Todoroki and their sister, who are, the name escapes me at the moment, Endeavor, Deku, Bakugo. Little do Deku and Bakugo know though, that Endeavor is like hated by his own children. And so they're sitting there and eating dinner and then Natsuo has just given it to Endeavor and it was awkward, awkward. And so when they're all kind of having these heart to heart moments, Katsuki is just done with it and comes in and yells at the Todoroki family for bringing up their own personal shit in their house when they have guests over. I mean, Everyone would have been thinking it, but I love that Katsuki just comes out and says that shit. 
I also love there's a moment when they're having Christmas and Ashida's chasing him around trying to put on the Santa costume and he is like trying to catch her trying to put it on him and like yelling at her and shit and she's like not taking no for an answer and then eventually we do see him wearing one like he puts up this really angry front but you can tell through these little gestures and these little things that he does that he does actually care and he's got a heart and he's a beautiful beautiful soul and I adore him and I love him and I oh (laughs) oh and then when they leave the Todoroki family everyone's saying goodbye and he like opens up the door to the car and he just yells at Todoroki's sister to send him the recipe like (laughs) he's he surprises me and I love it and I think that like obviously people love Todoroki and people love Deku and I I love them but then they're predictable they're very predictable characters and I know a lot about them and I think Bakugo is unpredictable so unpredictable like when he got caught by the league of villains i actually thought for a second that he might go with them i thought he might be the next sasuke but he like he he refused and he he threw it back in their face and it was fantastic watching him be kidnapped and seeing him have to rely on other people as well like Katsuki is a much more complex character than I thought he would be and for that reason he has my favorite character development in the entire series. Shigaraki watching him move up through the ranks in the League of Villains has been really interesting to watch. Mirio watching him be the best of the best in UA High and then have his powers taken away from him so interesting. But Bakugo, we're watching him come in as this angry, destructive force and slowly opening up and like surprising us with these decisions where he presents as someone who would want to go to the League of Villains or who would never want to wear, you know, a Santa (laughs) outfit or wouldn't care about cooking and recipes and all this shit. And he just does. And he has this passion behind him, which comes through in his quirk and the way that he saves people and the way that you see him stand at the back but still watching everything I could talk about Katsuki forever I adore him I love him I just fucking love him a notable little uh character who surprised me as well is Uraraka I didn't necessarily like her at the start I well I I didn't mind her but I thought that she was going to be one of those characters that just kind of follows around her crush which she has a lot to do with Deku and obviously she likes him, but I like that it's actually named. A lot of times they dance around the fact that someone has a crush on someone else, but it's actually out there. It's very open. Everyone knows about it except for Deku, which fucking idiot. How does he not know? Love her back. Um, but she gets some really notable moments like bringing down the plane and, um, fighting Bakugo in the UA Sports Festival. That was insane. She's she's very sweet. Not everything is about Deku, but there is romance. She pushes herself with a mid-level quirk. Like it's not anything that special, but she pushes herself and she wants to do it on her own. When she is fighting Bakugo and Deku asks if he can give her some pointers and she says no, even though it's Deku. She is really interesting. 
Really, really interesting character. Not someone that I would claim as my favorite, but an interesting character. And I do enjoy watching her progress. Now, before season six comes out, there's a few things that I did note. Who is the spy? There was a plot line in one of the seasons when they thought that one of the students would be a spy for the League of Villains because they kept finding and infiltrating UA High. They found them when they went camping to that um, place with the cat people. (laughs) And all of a sudden, like, it's just non-existent. So I'm wondering if they forgot about that plot point or if something's going to happen in season six or if there's more seasons that we're going to find out who the spy is. For a while, I, I was devastated, man. I was fucking devastated because I thought it was going to be belly button boy my, my little French fiesta all wrapped up in fromage <laughs> but I don't think that it's going to be him he did have his own little moment of creepiness and him and Deku are now best friends after sharing some cheese and guys I fucking hated this character so much but oh, nothing makes me happier than seeing belly button boy come up on my screen And especially when he shoots his little belly button too much and then gives himself a tummy ache. Like, he's just so good. Um, One thing I I wasn't too happy about, I mean, like, I feel like it could have been done better, is when we found out that Kurigiri was Aizawa and present Mike's old school friend, that would have been a really, really cool reveal if they spent some more time on it, like if we had a little bit of an Aizawa backstory, I knew that present Mike and him went way back. I didn't realize that they were friends in school and I didn't know anything about this other friend of theirs. So suddenly finding out that Kurigiri was their friend was cool, was very interesting, but to get it all all of that information at the same time and then finding out that Kurugiri is him at the same time, it missed the mark on hitting me emotionally. And I'm an emotional lady. So I just wish that they built this up a little bit more so that when it came to the reveal, I was like, oh my God, it's Kurugiri. And then when they're having these emotional chats, I could have felt it a little bit more in my heart, but... I feel like they dropped the ball on that one. I really liked the character twice. He has an awesome backstory, very Deadpool-ish. Quite like him, quite enjoy it. Um, I do think that he's very kind deep down as well. He could have been a hero. He notices little things that people like, like for example, um, Giran, whoever that is, that they were saving in season five. He had a few fingers chopped off and twice as first thing that he says to Giran is oh no that's your smoking hand that's really sad and like even though it's nothing that like that big um I do think twice is a very gentle and compassionate character if he didn't make all those clones of himself and then have a psychological breakdown maybe he could have been a hero he's a very great quirk but the fact that they're all powering up at the end of season five obviously they're getting ready for the war he can now make so many copies of himself which he never could do i'm getting ready for season six man and finally 
<laughs> I might be um, about to get, be getting into a lot of trouble, but I wanted to also note some binworthy characters, characters that I didn't necessarily like. And I know a lot of people dress up as this character and I know a lot of people really like this character. I am not a fan of Toga. She is really annoying. <laughs> and I don't really understand her, like, usefulness. Everyone seems to talk about her like she's hot shit and like she's really um, beneficial to the team and whatnot. But she doesn't seem to really be able to do anything. Um, she gets caught every time. She gets beaten up every time. She has this fetish about Uraka and Deku and like I mean I can see her her quirk is handy and I I, I enjoyed learning about her backstory a little bit um but she as a character I just can't get around Toga I just really struggle with her and she probably struggles with me too <laughs> but she's a nothing character for me her encoder the guy that speaks to birds what the fuck is he there he does nothing how is he in class 1a like he only talks to animals that are around him they live in a city when are the animals going to be there for him to talk to how is his quirk so useful that he made it into class 1a when even though i hate him monoma who can copy anyone's quirk is in 1B. Or the chick with the poison ivy hair. Or the chick that can break herself up into tiny million little pieces. Like how are they in 1B and Coda's in 1A? I just don't get it. And then Toga, ugh, just maybe, maybe she annoys me just because like she is one of those characters that is just obsessed with men and obsessed with love and obsessed with romance. And like while yes, cool, that's, great some people are like that I just really don't like watching a character where that's their whole identity so it frustrates me <laughs> so I guess she frustrates me <laughs> anyway that's everything that I watched and like all wrapped up with a nice neat little bow um season five fight that was my favorite like I said it was Shigaraki versus the stress guy adore that fight and I know I say adore a lot but fuck me that was so good I, it was the first chance for us to see Shigaraki kind of like let loose. And I liked that there was not really anyone else that could have helped him out in that situation. So it was all on him. And especially the fact that this guy's stress <laughs> is his superpower, because I do think that that's uh, relatable. <laughs> anyway, that's everything. And um, I'm going to go and get started on season six. I'm pretty fucking keen, man. Now that I know everything that's coming up, I've gone into, you know, detail, making sure that I pay attention to everything. I feel like I'm watching, you know, you know, when you watch one of those series that goes on forever and ever and ever. And then when you get to the end, you're like, I don't really know what to do with myself. It's like that when I read books, I just finished a book and I was like, well, what now? Life? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> But that's the reason that I've been taking so long with One Piece. I'm not ready. And I know that it's going to keep going on for a while. But now that they've said that it's going to be the end, I'm fucked. Because when I get to the end, what is there? I'm up to date with Demon Slayer. 
up to date with Naruto and Boruto, up to date with Jujutsu Kaisen. Now I'm up to date with My Hero Academia. Like I'm running out of shonens, and this is why I've turned to Slice of Life. I need to find something with a million episodes <laughs> so that I never run out. Oh, God. Anyway, that's everything for now. And I had so much fun catching up on My Hero Academia. Like I said, I wasn't well for a while. So I, luckily, I mean, not lucky to be sick, but lucky that <laughs> I had something to do. So, yeah, if you agree with me on best fights, um, please let me know. If you have a fight or a moment that really stuck out for you in My Hero Academia, please, please let me know because... I find it so fascinating to hear what other people really enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy, who was your favorite character and why, or who was your bin-worthy character. Do you hate me because mine was Toga? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm keen, I'm keen, I'm keen to hear what you guys have to say. So without further ado, if you do want to get in touch with me, my Instagram is live. It is at champsbefastpod get on there give me a follow reach out let me know i'll post some stuff about this episode once it goes live um and yeah if you want to reach out in other ways i have an email it's championsbreakfast at outlook.com otherwise everything all my links my mail account everything is linked to that instagram profile so you can see what i'm watching um you can make recommendations for what i watch next it doesn't matter to me i'm just happy to hear from you but yeah, anyway, have a fantastic weekend and I will be back in your ears very, very soon. Bye.